Part of being an American in our time is having an extraordinarily strong sense of entitlement. The most fundamental attitude, I think, comes out of the religious life is to have the recognition that we are utterly dependent on others and that most of what we have in our lives would not be there were it not for the gifts of others. Welcome to Trending Jewish. I am Rachel Burgess here with my awesome colleague, Brian Schwartzman. Hi, Rachel. Hi, Brian. So we have a very interesting topic today, and I'm curious your thoughts about this. So the topic today is blessings, which isn't really trending. It's it's something that's old. It's been part of Judaism since forever. And that's one of the big things that we associate with Judaism is all of the times we have to say a blessing before bread, before wine, before cheese, before like anything before eating. And I don't know about you, but I always felt very intimidated having to learn about blessings because or trying to incorporate it because I always felt like I wasn't doing enough of them because I didn't even know where to begin to learn them. I mean, nothing is have to, right? I mean, we're all we're all Jews by choice now, right? But I guess traditionally, that's what you're what you're supposed to do, right? You're supposed to be doing at least a um, hundred blessings a day. So, and there's you know there's a formula you're supposed to do it, but when you first wake up in the morning, and the big ones is is the food because for every different kind of food, there's a different blessing for them. Um, I don't. Did you ever grow up? learning them or I know I didn't have a traditional Jewish education where I would have learned all of these things in Hebrew school. I mean my parents my parents wouldn't have known them beyond um beyond the bread, you know, beyond beyond hamotzi. Um so no, not at all. I think as I as I learned more about Judaism and traditional Judaism and even kind of flirted with a more observant lifestyle, which I don't lead today, was something I really began to appreciate, how it how it makes you appreciate the sunrise, appreciate every meal, um, appreciate a shooting star, appreciate the ocean. There's, there's so much in there that, I mean, we know that leading a Jewish life and, and following all the commandments and reciting all the blessings doesn't doesn't necessarily make you a good person. I'm, in fact, we know we know plenty of people who follow the law and are are bad people, but it seems like it 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 makes it just a tad easier to be you know to be headed in the right direction. And I don't know, I listened to did I did I tell you this? I listened to an interview with uh, Krista Tippett on being who everybody's listened to forever and, and I'm just getting getting into and, and she had a interview that really focused on the life and thought of Abraham Joshua Heschel who I've mm-hmm. you know read about but and and actually played some some audio clips from him which which were really mind-blowing and he and he talked about everybody you know to be alive you need to maintain or fully alive you need to maintain your uh, your sense of surprise and wonder. I'm totally going to butcher Heschel, but you know, on the one hand, wonder for all of the the good, amazing things, and never stop to be astonished by the ocean or shooting stars, and also never stopping and getting astonished 
or getting outraged by by the bad that happens in the world, the injustice, never getting used to it, never always seeing injustice as a surprise. And that that really struck me. So I, I'm excited to to talk about these topics today because there's a lot to talk about. Yeah, and there's, um, I think I came... I think I came out it where my family was more conservative, and I think that there's a bit of, um, I think conservative closer to orthodox, and there's this feeling that when you do something, it has to be perfect to the letter. Like if you're going to do it, you have to do it perfectly. So, so for me, the intimidation is not so much the wonderment, but am I saying this right? Am I using the right blessing? And actually. One of the things that I did in prep for this interview is, you know, how can we access these blessings on demand? So I actually went online. So I went, um, I checked out the Google App Store or the Apple App Store. And um, and there's plenty, of course, on Android as well. I just happen to be an iPhone user. So I actually pulled out a couple of um, applications to basically help me access blessings whenever I need them. So um, There's an app for that? There are several apps for that, actually. Oh, my God. So um, one of them was actually done by the Rabbinic Assembly. It's called Sanctiful. So that one is actually, it's free and it's pretty easy to use. It has a bunch of lists of different blessings that you can search through. So there's food, nature, ritual, day-to-day, death and grief. So it basically gives you some blessings and um, so, and there is some contemporary literature in there that you can look at. Um, uh, an interesting one that I, I kind of am having fun with is... Um, it's called um, Brochos, so uh, B-R-O-C-H-O-S. This is another free app. So this one, you can actually search different categories, and um, basically you can look up anything. So this is, it does not matter what kind of food you're looking up or what kind of event, there's a blessing for that. So whether it is um, the blessing for iced coffee, um, there's also a random, so you can find little random blessings for popcorners, twisted salts, um, like what do you say before eating this and what do you say after that? And it comes from a bunch of different sources. Um, So there actually are a couple apps for that. I love the detective work. (laughs) <laughs> we do our research here. We do or do you our do your research. <laughs> but we do. I I was just curious. You know how do like? There's a part of me that would love to incorporate this, but I'm, there's always this fear that I'm doing it wrong, because I'm not a Hebrew speaker. I'm used to if I'm going up to the Torah, I have two people next to me and a rabbi behind <laughs> me that are correcting me every time I screw up my Hebrew. So there's this pressure that you have to say everything correctly. Oh, you totally just reminded me of what I wanted to talk about. I know we have <laughs> we have guests here anxiously waiting. Um, but um, so what you said about saying it right and the rabbi just totally clicked. Um, first off, folks may not know this. Apparently, we have a listener in 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 Germany, which I I love. Guten Tag. We we, we love you. Spread spread the word in in, in Germany and um, and but. An- another listener has has been my my mother, and and you know parents sometimes can be a little critical. Says, "I love you. You know your, your questions sound great, but you're 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 umming and stammering a bit too much." You know? <laughs> so I, I was one, you know talking about saying it right. Can we can we set up a contraption in here that would like? I mean, I tried to explain. It's 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 sort of a rough cut 
a rough cut um, natural conversation flow we're going. Yeah, this but, is pretty much this is pretty much the way we talk. <laughs> but but you know, my mother says no. You you know, you better edit it, this. Cut out the us and ums. So I'm like, is there is there something that can shock me every time I do it? You got to listen to it. You or, have to listen to yourself. Is there is there like an, a rabbinic equivalent of a hail mary? I could say every time I. <laughs> <laughs> no, maybe um, like maybe a constant reminder from from your mother, like to say, listen, that's when I actually in my background in radio, that was actually one of the big things that our general manager encouraged us to do was to listen to ourselves. And he swore to me that if he did nothing else in his life, that he was going to stop me from saying like every other word. It's so hard. It's, it's, it's really hard. You just like look at your. You're, it's like listening to yourself is like seeing all your perfection, imperfections put out there. But I guess, I don't know, there must be something in striving to get better and blessings. And You know, it's <laughs> it, basically I think the big tie-in to both of these things is awareness. So you here we are having a conversation and we're not aware of all of the little quirks we have in the way that we speak and much like the way that we go through life um, there's this beautiful quote that I had heard where even your hands in front of your face can cover the biggest mountain just like the um, distractions of everyday life and just kind of going through the flow keep you from noticing the biggest de- keeps you from noticing really significant details so as we're sitting here having a conversation and having fun on our podcast we don't always we might not always hear the ums and uh uh, uh. so you just have to be aware that's uh, there's a rabbinical school i i i think could use you <laughs> but that was beautiful you know uh, and I'm actually really excited to go into talking to our two fabulous guests. Great, great idea. Who are here with us today to really help us talk about blessing, appreciation, and awareness. And they are the authors of a new book that was just released called From Gratitude to Blessings and Back, which is available online on Amazon. And our two authors are Marilyn Price and Rabbi David so just so you can get to know our two authors, our two guests, for the last 40 years, Marilyn Price has been the president of Marilyn Price Puppets, using puppets and storytelling to enhance and educate and entertain all listeners and learners. As president and CEO of Tribraining Incorporated, a not-for-profit educational foundation, she undertakes projects to help educators reach students of all ages in experiential and formal classrooms. She frequently is called upon as a keynote speaker and presenter to help in areas such as imagination stretching, listening skills, and using the arts as a creative tool to teach and reach. One of Tribraining's many national projects includes her co-directorship of Hevra, an adult learning community, um, which is a summer retreat for adults who want to really immerse themselves in Jewish learning. She is the puppeteer and literacy trainer for the Chicago Public Libraries and received the prestigious Mayor's Award for the Arts in her hometown of Chicago for her work as an artist and arts advocate. 
And her co-author and seemingly total polar opposite, Rabbi David Toit, is the director emeritus of the Center for Jewish Ethics and the Lewis and Myra Weiner Professor of Contemporary Jewish Civilization here at the Reconstructionist Rabbinical College, where he also previously served as president of the college for a decade. A renowned lecturer, consultant, and trainer, he has previously served as executive director for the Federation of Reconstructionist Congregations and Havarot, as program director of the National Jewish Center for Learning and Leadership, and as a congregational rabbi. He was ordained by Hebrew Union College, Jewish Institute of Religion, and his three-volume series, A Guide to Jewish Practice, is available online now at rrc.edu. Welcome, both of you. We're so thrilled to have you in the building in in the studio and i guess i just wanted to start by by giving our listeners a sense of this little gem of a, of a book you've put together and i was wondering if you would read an entry just so everybody kind of knows what we're what we're talking about can i explain how it's done because I think that would help us even before we read it. Please. So there are 51 blessings well selected by David and edited by me (laughs) and and they deal with many everyday things that you don't think about our blessings. Judaism as you know has a very large number of blessings and we are commanded to do 100 blessings a day. These are only 51, so you need to do either do them twice or find more. Uh, all of them are traditional except for two. Is that right, David? Mm-hmm. One of which David wrote and one that was written by... Jeremy Schwartz, a Reconstructionist rabbi with the congregation in Connecticut. So that's those, that is our idea. And now, because Rachel so beautifully introduced us, you can tell that we come from different places with different backgrounds. So many people say, what an odd combination. And if you eat peanut butter, it's kind of like the peanut butter and chocolate combination. Will they ever go together, right? Um, but we've been friends for over 30 years, maybe more, yes, more. And um, we kind of balance each other out. So he is obviously the more serious and uh, deeply academic, and I am the goofy puppeteer storyteller who uses values to teach kids to make their world better. I think I balanced the goofy part there. Uh, So when we started to do this, which initially is a conversation very many years ago, even more than we thought about it, came from um, a little volume we did when David stepped down from the presidency called Kol Habrakot. Habrakot. Um, So what it was was all the blessings and people commented on them and someone said, wow, that's a great idea. So um, 15 years later, maybe more, here we are with this little book which basically says the blessing, uh, Hebrew, transliteration, a comment, and then a story to bring it into everyone's uh, everyday ambiance so that your blessings which we believe are not necessarily centered towards God but help everyone from the giver to the receiver and that blessings and thank yous are cyclical circular excuse me that one gives to the other and comes around again so uh, we would like David and I would like everyone no matter what they're looking at even a bottle of water to think about why that is a blessing to us. 
so that our everyday becomes sacred. And key to that is recognizing that we live in a culture that is overwhelmingly focused on being a consumer. And part of the idea of being a consumer is if I have the money to buy this, I'm entitled to it. So part of being an American in our time is having an extraordinarily strong sense of entitlement. Um, The most fundamental attitude, I think, um, that comes out of the religious life is uh, to have the recognition that we are utterly dependent on others and that uh, most of what we have in our lives would not be there were it not for the gifts of of others. Albert Einstein uh, put it um, that he stood on the shoulders of giants. Um, The rabbis said, um, I wake up in the morning and I put on clothes that I did not sew, made of cloth I did not weave, and I go and have breakfast of bread that I did not bake, made of wheat that I did not grind, that grew in soil that I did not till. And I'm constantly, therefore, benefiting from the natural world and from the work of others. So if gratitude doesn't shape my daily life, then I'm missing most of what's going on around me. The purpose of blessings is to help us see all the things in the world that we could be grateful for. Um, Just the other day, I was um, at a retreat in California, and we started um, the morning with a brief service. We walked up a hill um, overlooking the ocean, and uh, the person leading the service had happily a copy of this book in her (laughs) hand. Wonder how that could have happened. I have no idea. Um, And before the service began, uh, read the blessing, Baruch atah Adonai Eloheinu melech haolam sha'asa et hayam hagadol, which means? Blessed are you, eternal our God, the sovereign of all worlds who made the great sea. And our book then proceeds with commentary about it. So the one I wrote, says, um, when I was little, our family sometimes went to the beach on summer vacations. I never tired of watching the waves, of the feel of sand under my feet, and of the surf's endless pushing and pulling. I quickly learned that the tides and waves had to do with gravitational pull from the sun and moon, but the scientific facts had no influence on the the mesmerizing power of the waves. Seeing the beach each morning was an awe-inspiring experience. Wonder and science operate on different planes of our existence. Listen to the crashing surf. See the sun glint on the water. Feel a power far beyond our own. 
I am sitting by the window overlooking the Pacific Ocean. The wind is howling and the rain has been nonstop for hours. In my chair with my cup of orange tea warm and fragrant next to me, I feel safe. But the ocean, restless and breathless, is threatening and fascinating. Yesterday, walking along the shore, watching the sunset, seeing the birds perch and fly and the kids play on the then calm ocean, I felt exhilarated yet safe. The ocean, like people, changes. Powerful, predictable, unstable, changing. Pleasure bringing and danger making, filled with life and death. Can you connect this power with God and people's changing nature? How can you not? On the other side of the country, I am privileged to sit by the Atlantic, watching the waves crash along the shore while on a week's vacation. I am thinking of my ancestors traveling over it towards this land over 100 years ago, as big and endless as it looks to me. I can't imagine my grandma Elisheva's angst and also excitement as she headed from her Romanian homeland with one little girl towards a life with so much mystery and so many possibilities. If this massive, tumultuous ocean is mysterious and powerful to me, I cannot begin to imagine how it was for her and the brave others as they headed to this land of freedom. I imagine her prayers were delivered in Romanian with a fervor that matched her fears and her joys. That's beautiful. Uh, one of the things that I found very interesting, and you start this actually in the beginning of the book, where both of you are actually sharing memories of how you got to a place to appreciate blessing. So as a storyteller, why you could have created stories or found different stories that somehow relate to the ocean or Shabbat or the many other blessings that are in the book, what particularly drew you to the idea of memories? Um, David's quote, which of course I didn't have in front of me then, uh, I think we're all built on memories. I can't imagine finding that we just were plopped here without standing on something. So for me as a teller, story, his story. All my stories have a history of me in them, And but more important, my job is to open up the door to the listener so that their memories can come in as well, and then the stories become theirs. So the blessing part, an interesting story, I think I mentioned in here somewhere, is uh, I was doing a workshop in the library downtown Chicago, and uh, sat down next to a beautiful woman, and I looked at her, it was early in the morning, and I said to her, how are you? And she said, blessed. With a smile on her face, it pretty much radiated this dark room all over. And then that has come across to me everywhere I go in some particular communities, and no matter what you say, they will respond, I ble- not I feel blessed, but blessed. Um, it sort of overwhelms culture and the story and the blessing become one and the values that they bring many people that feel blessed by our standards would not be blessed I mean, their lives are harder than ours and and David beautifully said before how we take things for granted and we never say blessed if I'm walking down the street and someone comes up to me and says hey Marilyn how are you chances are pretty good I'm not going to say blessed I know I am but most people don't respond that way. Uh, there are some who actually breathe it, live it, and I've asked 
a lot of people. How do you get there? And I'm kind of hoping that this book will help people to grab onto the everyday and make it extraordinary. And part about telling stories from our own lives is that they invoke people's stories in their minds. And uh, it's not enough to know that David Teutsch feels grateful. It's a question of how do I as a reader plug into moments when I experienced gratitude? Because what we need to do is build on our brief experiences of gratitude until that's one of the dominant uh, emotional frameworks that we experience all day long. When that happens, the difference in mental frame transforms our lives. There was something else that you had said earlier where you were talking about how being thankful, like being grateful and being thankful of all of the things that other people do for us and that we give to others because we work in this fabric of existence and we all need each other. And some of these blessings are for natural wonders that people don't make. For example, a rainbow or the ocean. For some people who live in a world of science where we understand that, oh, the rainbow is because the light is being divided through water and and this is how light is broken up. Some of these blessings have a connotation of a god. So how to somebody who may not believe in a god or may be agnostic and not sure whether or not there is a higher power out there or doesn't believe in a, a higher power like traditionally taught in religious institutions, how do they approach a blessing that starts off, you know, thank, you know, blessed are you, O Lord, or, or blessed are you, Almighty? How do they approach it? Well, one issue is what's the important part of a blessing? Um, this morning as I was uh, driving to the rabbinical college, I was noticing the changing leaves, yellow and red and brown, and I just let myself revel for a moment in their color and in their amazingness. And at that moment, I did not need to attach my wonder to a theology. I needed to encounter that beauty and encounter that wonder and realize not a single thing about those leaves changing had a thing to do with me. Didn't cause it, won't affect it. So it comes from outside. So when I say, praised are you, God, who is in, in some theologies the source of the oneness of the world, the unity of the world, I am looking beyond the particular miracle I am at the moment encountering to saying there is a unity that produces this sense of wonder in me, and that unity is something I need to be in touch with and not to take for granted. People can give it any name they want. What's important to me about Baruch Atah is to recognize there is another that is responsible for that unity. I didn't cause it, and I can't change it. Totally right, of course. Uh, but there's a, something else, too. I don't think it matters who gets it, The your words. I think the most important person 
to get it would be yourself. So once you realize and take the moment away from whatever your angst is, you're driving to work, you don't know what you're going to say when you get there, uh, you have to go pick up your kids at carpool, whatever that moment of anxiety is, when you get yourself removed from the angst and encounter something as beautiful as the seasons change or as somebody you see down the street you haven't seen in a long time, it removes you and puts you into a different place. So whether or not you address it, sort of like a letter, dear sir, or dear ma'am, or dear whatever, uh, you're, you are becoming a piece of it. And a lot of what I believe blessings are about are connections that enhance both the giver and the taker. And one other piece of the blessing is ruler of the world. So if when I say that, what flashes on me is, you know, no matter how powerful an institution I have headed or how critical I have been in some system in which I've operated, um, I'm never in control and I'm never ultimately in charge. So for me, when I hear ruler of the world, I don't visualize or imagine a king, I just recognize that the world as a unit of reality is far more powerful than any of us, and every blessing that flows our way is a gift that we can't control. And recognizing that our lives are filled with gifts, regardless of how we imagine the giver, changes how we encounter our everyday reality. So we've inherited from traditional Judaism, this this amazing technology to live a more humble, aware, gracious life. Um, I guess this is a rabbi a rabbi question. Can you can you say anything about where where these blessings came from, who who wrote them, what they were what they were trying to accomplish? Well the earliest antecedents to the blessings are found uh, in the Tanakh, in the Hebrew Bible. There are lots of examples of them. Um, the earliest formulations of blessings uh, are evident in the Amidah, in the standing prayer that Jews traditionally said three times a day. And that formula, however, is different from the one that we now normally use for blessings because a lot of them don't have Melacha Olam in them, ruler of the world. Uh, so we know from that that the blessings were evolving by um, and and prominent by late in the second temple period and the formula that we now have uh, was well fixed by the time of the Mishnah which is um, a couple hundred years um, into this era so that gives us a pretty long stretch of gradual development and uh, the rabbis settled on this formula because uh, they thought it was theologically important not least because it says there is one divinity that is the unitive force in our world and the same thing the origin of the story comes from the same place only even earlier or but maybe not because to keep warm the people sat around the fire and even before language they would use sound and because of the wonder of it all because they had no clue where anything came from not having read Torah yet you would imagine that some of the sounds they made were delivered not only to each other but to the force around them 
So all of that combined to come together in the history of the story, as well as the history of the blessing. But the word Baruch itself, which is often translated as blessing, blessed or praised, um, has two um, Hebrew roots that kind of underlie it. One is the word for knee, as in we prostrate ourselves, we bend our knees um, in recognition of the greater force beyond us. The other one is the word berech, which means spring, um, particularly growing in, in, up in the Middle East where water was one of the most critical life-sustaining forces. It is everywhere, but in places where there's enough water, we take it for granted. Um, in the Middle East where water, fresh, clean water was a precious thing, to say that um, we acknowledge and appreciate the wellspring is also a powerful image. So somewhere in there, the origin of the word Baruch gets at, I think, two things. One, essential to being able to see who we are is to be able to acknowledge our own limitation and to live lives in a way that um, has humility to it. And the other is to recognize that um, every day, we are the recipients of an untold number of gifts, and part of our challenge is to recognize all those wellsprings that sustain us. One thing that just popped into my mind, actually, as we're talking about gratefulness and um, thinking about um, history and even more ancient cultures where many different blessings and prayers were not only to say thank you, but also like an ask for it to happen again, where we want a prayer for, we're saying thank you for rain, but please keep it coming mm -hmm. so our crops don't die, or um, this beautiful rainbow has come before us, and so thank you for that. Please, you know, please do that again. Do blessings have that same underlying ask it doesn't seem completely like an altruistic thank you but also like an ask to say can you please bring that back again or can you please keep this it's a little bit like writing a thank you note yeah. mm -hmm. you write a thank you note you're actually very grateful for the gift and you say thank you but it also may prime the pump for the next one um, mm -hmm. <laughs> the, the notion of Thanks is there, and one of the things that's interesting about Jewish prayer is it's much more focused on thanks, appreciation, awe, and an assertion of values than it is on requests. There are requests in Jewish prayer, but they're not the dominant force in Jewish prayer because requests are like the cherry on top of the Sunday. Um, we start out saying, wow, it's an amazing world, and boy, do I have a lot to be grateful for. And at the end, we do have hopes, and we express our hopes and our longings, but they're not the most important thing um, in, in terms of our prayer lives. What's really important in terms of our prayer lives is the, is the stance that brings us to gratitude and wonder and the learning of values that will shape our conduct. One other thing that you might think about, and that is the conversation. 
uh, and I think we've all had conversations with people that begin with how are you and they say fine and that's the end of it uh, and then you grope around for the next thing to ask or you'll ask them about them but they won't ask you about you uh, in many respects uh, a blessing is the beginning also of a conversation and a blessing surrounding a story is even more so because you in you tell the story and then you say, well, you know, now that I think about it, that happened to me, and it happened in that way, and I never connected it, and that will bring you into a blessing as well. So, blatitude, that's a new word, would you write that down? Blatitude to gratitude and back is a really important focus of this book. It's all very circular. You could start in either direction. You could do the, we could have named it the other way. We could have named it from blessings to gratitude and back. But, um, and I don't know why it was this way. It's not alphabetical. It, it's, uh, it, it's all connected. And I think, and I'm thinking David will agree or not, that this book was meant to be a way for people to step into what we feel we feel. So when we feel gratitude, that opens an opportunity for blessings, and that's fabulous, and that's part of what Marilyn is saying. Um, but getting in the habit of saying blessings also reminds us to feel grateful. Mm -hmm. But the other thing blessings do sometimes, or another thing blessings do sometimes, is uh, shape our consciousness in other ways. For example, if you say, Vitsivanula Sokbatsorchetsibur um, commands us to uh, act in order to meet the needs of the community. Um, you're reminding yourself that indeed doing for others is something we ought to be doing. And if you say that at the beginning of a meeting, uh, it reminds you that that's holy work. And that the idea that it's holy work should shape how we talk at meetings and how we treat each other at meetings and how we keep our minds on the end purpose of meetings. Um, so blessings often really are a way of directing our consciousness not only to gratitude, as important as that is, but also to the holiness in our daily lives and to the holiness we can create by how we live. So I think well we're we're uh, we're starting to to run out of time and feel like we could we could be here for 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 hours on this on this topic, um, but one thing I feel I feel uh, obliged to ask is I think I think I I have something that's a commonality for a, a, a lot of a lot of Jews who grew up in in non Orthodox households and that I. I really never was exposed to, to blessings on a regular basis growing up, and it, it certainly hasn't become a part of my practice as as an adult. But I, I really, I really like the idea of using using words and using instances to remind us of just the amazingness, the the, the, the miracle of, of being alive. Um, there are all these. Um, couch to 5k programs from from going to to nothing to to being a runner is there is there you know if somebody wants to start incorporating blessings into their lives so how do they be how do they begin do you just start making them up do you just start 
consulting this book? How, you know, where, where, how do you get going? I'm sure there's I, an app for it. <laughs> well, I confess that I'm a, like, as, I feel that I, I'm pretty religious, but as a more secular Jew, I don't think I'm anywhere close to getting to 100 blessings a day. Do you, when you bless someone when they sneeze? That counts. Oh, I didn't realize that. Oh, Thank yeah. God for allergies. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe I'm closer than I Hay thought. fever season is amazing. <laughs> and, and if you were to pray the Amidah three times a day the way traditional Jews mm-hmm. do, you'd be up to 57 I mean, b- before, b- just from meals. those three. Meals. So, but so if you're looking for a place to begin, I think meals are a great place to begin because mm-hmm. if you can just pause a moment before you dig in and say one blessing that that reminds you uh, of, of about what a blessing the food is, that's a terrific place to begin. So the blessing that most people say at the start of a meal is hamotzi lechem in aretz, who brings forth uh, bread from the earth. And if you th- think about it, that's really odd because bread does not come forth from the earth. What comes from forth from the earth is wheat. And then it has to be ground and it has to be mixed and it has to be baked. So every time I say hamotzi, I think about the way in which the natural world comes together with the social world in order to put bread on my plate. And I grateful for the baker, but I'm also grateful for the delivery guy and for everybody else who's involved in that process. That can flood through your head literally in a moment, Mm -hmm. and it changes everything that happens at the meal. So I think if you're looking for one easy place to get started, that's a great one. I have another one. Thank you. Thank you. Literally, thank you. Most people don't say it enough. Uh, there's a couple of new responses to it, like, no problem. I have no idea what that means. But the process of saying thank you, looking someone in the eye and meaning it, is a, connects you in a variety of different ways. So the thanks are good. The blessings, uh, m- many people say them out loud in restaurants. I've seen people sit and hold hands with their table mates and talk about it. For lots of people, that's really uncomfortable. And I will agree with David that if you go, if you stop and say the mozi and you look at it and you say, oh, that gets a bit of, it takes a while. But it doesn't really. It just, it just reminds you that there's somebody else out there but you in charge and the baker. And if you ask a kid to write a blessing, they get it. And they will write. I had a, wrote a prayer book with the school I was running, and they took that mozi blessing and they went all the way back to every single ingredient and who made it. And I can almost guarantee you that when they say the mozi now, after we teach it to their parents who didn't know it, um, then they will get a different and broader picture. And the one we don't do enough is the birchah chamazon, the one we the leaving because we think of it as so very long that we'll never get out the door and get back to work but that's an incredible blessing about connecting us to what happens after we eat so there's um, you know that's six times and if you snack coffee break you're up to ten so and there's a short form of the Birkat Hamazon that's just Brich Rachamana Malka Alma Mare Pita. That's from the Talmud. Isn't that the one where you're being chased by bandits? Well, that, that that was what the rabbis asked. What's the shortest form of the grace after meals? <laughs> you could say if if bandits are running in the front door and you have to be fleeing out the back. But the 
But it has all the kenosins in it. Thank you to the merciful one for the gift of the life-giving gift of bread. And um, dwelling on it even for just a moment is enough for it to change the rest of your day. Mm-hmm. I have to admit, I've I've been uh, sitting here hearing in my head that 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 great line from from Fiddler on the Roof: <laughs> "God bless and keep the czar." Far, away. far away mm-hmm. from here. Good is, blessing. Is um, <laughs> is is there an active blessing writing and creating going on going on now? Or there are are creative liturgists <laughs> making new blessings At all this the time? Very moment, yes. Absolutely, yes, yes, yes. and there are new formulas for blessings too. Some of them are in Kol Shema, the Reconstructionist prayer books. Some of them are in the work, for example, of the poet Marsha Falk. Uh, if you go to ritualwell.org, which is um, one of the websites of the rabbinical college, you see lots of examples of new liturgy where new blessings are being forged, both new blessing formulas and new blessing foci. What's the blessing you say when you turn on your computer? You don't know? Look it up on Ritual Well and you'll get some mm-hmm. suggestions. Let me, ex- let me have a word for the non-Hebrew speakers. I think that's sometimes a block for Absolutely. people who want to get into the blessing mode. Mm-hmm. The, God understands all languages, as do very few people. <laughs> but they do, you, if you are stuck and don't think you can say a blessing because your Hebrew isn't fluent, there's no good reason you can't say a blessing in English or in your own words. Same opportunity. But know that it comes from our tradition, and that's an important lesson. It's a very empowering lesson. That, oh, yeah. That feels... Great. That was one issue that my mother had when she was leading a Jewish congregation where she wanted to be able to do blessings and create blessings that weren't available to that particular military community. And she didn't know Hebrew, so the best she could do was come up with something in English. And she wasn't quite sure whether or not that was correct. It's okay. So if you're looking for a really transformative way to begin, the next time someone says, how are you? Try saying, I am blessed. That too is a form of blessing and it changes and uplifts the nature of the transaction. And Baruch Hashem is another one I've heard. Baruch Hashem is the Hebrew that means the same thing. Blessed be God. It's just a way of saying, I am blessed. Well, thank you both very much for thank joining you. us on thank our you. podcast. So definitely check out From Gratitude to Blessings and Back, which is available on Amazon. And Whiff and Stock as well from the publisher. They have them as well. Make sure that you check out ritualwell.org if you're interested in learning how to write blessings and other blessings that are available that other people have written. If you would like to submit your own blessing, you can do that there as well. And you can learn more, find out more about the book, and also more of our podcast episodes on our website at trendingjewish.fireside.fm and on facebook.com slash trendingjewish. And just to throw more in there, if you guys like Trending Jewish, if you've liked what you heard, know we, we are a project of the Reconstructionist Rabbinical College and Jewish Reconstructionist communities, so... We'd love it if you could support our work at, uh, you can you can give right at uh, www.rsc.edu. Thank you, and uh, thank you. Thank you for listening, and thank you for being our guest today. Thank you. Our pleasure. <laughs>